0: Guys again, thank you for being here. I want to start out this service by just recognizing Pastor Doug Bartlett is here with us. He's one of our denominational officials. Can we give it up for Pastor Doug? Pastor Jim sent you, didn't he? He's checking in on me. (laughs) Just playing. We're excited to have Pastor Doug with us. Um, Always grateful when he's here. Well, guys, It is exciting today. We are finishing up. We're wrapping up a series called We Need to Talk. And uh, in this series, it's been all about communication in relationships. I'm not going to go back and and debrief or review or anything like that. If you want any of those messages, uh, feel free to email me. I'll send them out to you. Uh, I know... I know, though, that this is one of those series that has connected with you because I have gotten a lot of requests for notes. I've seen that people were on the Facebook page viewing the sermon. And so I love that. I'm so grateful that this is uh, connecting with you guys. And I wanted to tell you that even though we're finishing the series today, one of the things that I think would be helpful to you is in my own personal quiet time, one of the things I've done is I have recently read through the Old Testament. And I intentionally skipped over the book of Proverbs because I wanted to just take some time. I've never really done this where I had a chance to just read through the book of Proverbs like a chapter or a chapter or two two each day and really just marinate on those chapters and just take some time and read it and reread it and reread it as many times as I wanted to or needed to or felt like there was still life there. So much wisdom contained in Proverbs. And so if if communicating in a relationship is still something you're like, man, I'd love to still hear about that, I want to encourage you to read the book of Proverbs because I don't think it was on coincidence that this has been what's happening in me as this is what I'm preaching. And so uh, I've got a few pearls of wisdom for you this morning. Got a few Proverbs. Get your bag out. Get ready to collect them. Here they are. Just want a quick hit right through these Versus Proverbs ten nineteen, too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and say that next part with me. Amen. Keep your mouth shut. Amen. Let's go home. No, I'm just kidding. Proverbs 17, 28, even fools are thought wise when they keep silent with their mouths shut. They seem intelligent. Next one, Proverbs 21, 23. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. Dear Lord, please help Andrew listen to that one because my mouth has gotten me in trouble before. And so, listen, I know all of those talk about the value of not talking. There's a lot of other ones I could have pulled. One thing that's inherent in keeping our mouth shut, though, is that when we're not talking, we're able to listen, and we're able to understand what other people are saying. And so anyway, I just want to encourage you, uh, if you want more of this, Proverbs is a good place to go. Well, today, I'm finishing up with a little bit, probably of an unex- a little unexpected twist. Today, I want to talk to you about the language of love. Because who else would you want to learn about love from? You know, honestly, in a related note, unrelated note, rather, uh, I have asked Nicole not to look at me during the sermon. <laughs> Her unbelief would really hinder my ability to preach. I'm learning this stuff, too. Let's get into it. It's, we're going to be in John chapter 13. John chapter 13. This is Jesus teaching. We're picking it up in verse 34. And, and look at what, what is said right here. Jesus says, A new command I give you. Okay, what is it? Love one another. Jesus said, I want you to love one another. Okay, how? And he goes on to give a descriptor As I have loved you, so also you must love one another. Whoa, that ramps up the difficulty quite a bit, doesn't it? Because we just sang a song called, Oh, the Blood. Jesus was literally willing to lay down his life for us. That's how much he loved us. And he's telling us, I want you to love one another like I loved you. I want you to put others first. Now, what's incredible and what you may not pick up just on reading this verse is that the context Of this chapter right here. The context of what's happening here is. Jesus is with his disciples. They're in the upper room. Judas has just left. He has gone to betray Jesus. He's going to turn him into the Sanhedrin. For 30 pieces of silver. And so Judas has already left. Jesus knows what's about to happen. He knows the matter of death. That awaits him. And yet. With the time he has left. It would have been easy to be bitter, it would have been easy to say, are you kidding me? I mean, one of my own guys. I have been with you, Judas, for three years now, and now you're going to turn on me? But instead of doing that, Jesus takes the little bit of time that he has left before they show up with the officials to take him to his death. And he says, hey, guys, listen up. Love one another. Next verse. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So Jesus goes so far as to say this is a distinguishing mark of a believer. If you say you love Jesus and you don't love other people, Jesus says, hey, unbelievers, you've got every right to judge them because if you are my follower, you're going to love one another. If you're here today and you're not a believer, you're, you're off the hook. I mean, you can just not like people. But if you are a Christian, these are the words of Jesus. This is not me teaching this. This is Jesus. He says, love one another as I have loved you. And when you love one another, this is how other people will know that you're my disciples. You may be tempted to think, well, Pastor Andrew, no problem. There are people that I love. But Jesus doesn't say that. He doesn't say love your family and love the lovable. Jesus says, I want you to love one another. Even that person that you try to avoid. Even that person that you really don't want to talk to. Even that person that you see them on an aisle at Food Line and you go to the next aisle, I want you to love one another. Let me put it this way. If you come to me today and you say, Pastor Andrew, I love your wife, I love your mama, your daddy, your se- I love your whole tribe. But if you have a problem with one of my kids, then we have a problem. You can love everybody else, but if you have a problem with one of my kids, there's just enough daddy bear in me that we have got a problem. It's the same way for God. We are God's children, yes, but so is that person that you won't speak to. So is that person you don't like. And when you are rude or ugly or dismissive or unloving to them, You're being rude and ugly and dismissive to one of God's children. You are being that to a person that he died for, that he shed that blood for, and that he wants to save. And so in these two short verses, Jesus is telling us that if you're a believer, you should be acting in love. You should be walking in love, and you should be, yes, talking in love. So I'm going to talk to you today about the language of love. The language of love. I want you guys to say that. You look like you're asleep. Come on, we got to wake up this morning. I need you to say it in your best French accent. I don't have a good one, so I need you guys to be loud. The language of love. Thank you, front row. Now let's everybody try it. The language of love. Yeah, we're going to talk about the language of love. For some of you, you are fluent. For others, it's a foreign language, so we're going to help you this morning. Have you ever been anywhere where you were surrounded by people that you didn't speak the language? Honestly, has anybody ever done that? You've been surrounded by people just totally immersed in a culture where you didn't know the language? That is such a vulnerable feeling. There is all this stuff happening all around you, and there's these people, and they can communicate to one another, but you are just kind of lost. I heard comedian Henry Cho, he tells this story. So Henry is from America, but he's born of Korean descent, and uh, Henry's parents are full-blooded Korean, but the funny part about this is, so Henry grew up in Tennessee, and so when you see him and you hear him talk, it is like this huge dichotomy. You don't know what's happening right there in front of you because he looks Korean, but he sounds like a hillbilly from Tennessee. And so I heard him tell this story. He said, I met this beautiful girl from South Alabama, and we fell in love. And over the course of several months, we decided we're going to get married. She had never met my parents, and so we flew my parents in from Korea for the wedding. And so it's the first time she is meeting the parents. It's the first time the parents are meeting each other. And so Henry sets the scene. He said, there we all were. And and there's my wife's parents. And here's my parents. And my soon-to-be mother-in-law steps up. And she comes right over to my parents and takes my dad's hand. And she says, hello, Mr. Cho. It is so nice to meet you. He said, my fiance leans in. She's horrified. What is she doing? He said, I leaned over and said, she thinks she's speaking Korean. (laughs) Because if I'm not sure you understand, I'm going to say it slower and louder. And somehow, maybe then you'll pick up on it. Here's what I'm saying, guys. If you've been trying to give love, and maybe you find yourself this morning and in some of your relationships, it's just tough and it's tense, and you don't understand why, because you are doing everything you know how to do. I mean, guys, you're bringing home the bacon, you're talking nice to her, you're being sweet. It's like, what more does she want? And maybe, ladies, you're on the other side going, What more does he want? And so you're here this morning and and maybe you're even frustrated in your relationships. Chances are it's because you guys aren't speaking the same language. You're not speaking the same language. Here's what I mean by that. There's a gentleman by the name of Dr. Gary Chapman and he wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. And in that book, he talked about how we receive love and how we give love. And he talked about the love languages. And then something very interesting happened. A few years went by and he began to preach on this subject and teach on this subject. And he realized this isn't just for like spouses. This isn't just for husbands and wives. This stuff is true for everybody. And so he wrote a follow-up book called The Five Love Languages for Children. They're the exact same languages because... It's true in all relationships. So what I want to do this morning is I want to show you these five love languages, and I think it'll be really helpful to see uh, when we get them all out and really helpful for you to know where you are and how you function. Before I jump into that, though, I I want you to do me a favor. I want you to imagine someone that you're in a relationship with. Okay, just picture them in your head. And I want you to imagine that around their heart, there is this love tank, okay? And it works just like a stomach. So if you eat, you can fill the stomach up, and then gradually throughout the course of the day, you empty the stomach, you use energy, the the food goes away, and you need to eat again. And so you've got to constantly be filling that stomach up. It's the same way with that love tank, We need to constantly be be making investments of love in that person so that when we have to make a withdrawal, so that when we goof and she asked me to bring home a gallon of milk and a dozen eggs and oh man, there is something to make a withdrawal from because there have been regular deposits in the love tank. And so as I talk today, I want you to imagine that in the person that you love Let's get going. The five love languages. Number one, words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. So this one is really as simple as it sounds. We use our words to build others up. And those same words can tear others down. Especially if this is your love language. Hey guys, it doesn't have to be a lot of words either. Ladies, you know, if you've ever gotten dressed You're looking to fly, getting ready to go out somewhere. And somebody says to you, nice dress. Man, that looks so good on you. Oh, man, they made you feel like a million bucks. Guys, if somebody looks at you and says, nice truck, or let's say you're on the golf course. I know we've got some golfers here in the church. And and you know there's somebody who knows what they're talking about. And they look at you after you shoot and they say, hey, man, nice shot oh man, they might as well have given you money. It just means so much. And so it doesn't have to be a lot of words, but especially to a person with this love language, words mean a lot. Well, the inverse of that is true as well. Negative comments, criticisms, they hurt a person with this love language more than we know, more than the average person. And so we've got to be careful about that. Let's go to number two, quality time, quality time. Now notice I didn't just say time. It's got to be quality time. That means that a person with this love language, they don't just want your time. They want your attention. They want your attention. So if you're sitting on the couch together watching TV and your spouse or the person you're with has this love language, that doesn't count. Because then your attention is on Netflix, not on your spouse. Guys, how many times have we been out in the yard and our kids, you're looking at your phone, I'm so guilty of this. You're looking at your phone and your kids are going, Hey, mom, did you see that? Hey, dad, look at what I can do. What are they saying? Hey, 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 I want your attention. I want your attention. So, to a person with this love language, it's hurtful whenever you postpone a time to get together, or you're there mental, you're there physically, but you're not there mentally. And so we got to watch that with this, with this love language. Number three, we'll keep moving. Giving and receiving gifts. Giving and receiving gifts. When you first hear this, your reaction might be like mine. Like, wow, how materialistic, like what? What's wrong with people? Why do they need that? There's a guy at work. I I work with him at the church, and uh, he's a gift giver. I mean, just uh, at random times throughout the year. I came in a couple months ago, and there's a brand-new Panthers mug just sitting on my desk. And I'm like, wow, what is this? He was like, no, I just saw it, man. I wanted to get it for you. And he just does that at, at different times throughout the years. There's no specific reason why. And it hit me, as I'm studying and preparing for this message, the reason he does that is because that's his love language. That's his. Dr. Chapman says that our default, whenever we go to give love, we think everybody's the same as us. And so we go to give love in the same way that we receive love. But that may or may not be that person's love language. And so From my buddy at work, how many times do you think I've ever thought about getting him a gift? I'll tell you, zero. Because that's not my love language. I don't even think like that. I appreciate his gifts. They're nice. They're they're thoughtful. That's the big deal there, is that we are thoughtful. To a person with this love language, it doesn't have to be diamond necklaces and gold earrings. It just needs to be thoughtful so let's say you work with someone and you know they're having a bad week and you could stop by the coffee shop a coffee shop on your way in and get their coffee order or or let's say uh, just out of nowhere you surprise your spouse with their favorite flavor of ice cream or just little things like that where it shows that person I thought about you I'm being thoughtful and I care so you don't have to break the bank number four Number four, acts of service. And now we have found me. This is my love language. To a person with this love language, here's the motto. Actions speak louder than words. Where are all my acts of service people out? Can I get an amen? So basically, in this love language, we want you to express yourself by doing something that we would normally have to do. So, Maybe it's, vacuuming the, maybe it's vacuuming the living room. Maybe it's washing the dishes. Maybe it's at work, and there's a report that usually you have to fill out, but, or usually the other person has to fill out, and you could fill it out for them. You've got that authority. And so just small things that you could do to be considered thoughtful. But hear me, guys. It can't be done begrudgingly. It can't be. It can't. Oh man, ragging, and fragging, and, You know, you're just muttering under your breath because that eliminates all the good you're trying to do. So as I was preparing for this sermon, God is just opening my eyes to stuff in my family, and uh, I think about in my family, my extended family. I don't know if your family's like this, but I'm just telling you my experience. In my extended family, when we do a get-together, I have noticed there's about three of us, and this is our love language. And this is how we receive love. And so you know who those people are, because after the meal is over, we get up, we start scraping plates, we take out the trash, we start washing dishes, we start watching kids. And for years, I have looked at those other people who were still seated and thought, they're so lazy. Don't they see us over here working? I mean, don't bother me. I got to talk, you know. And so I've always thought, what is their problem? And as I was preparing for this this week, God hit me with a thought. Andrew, they're doing the same thing you're doing you receive love by acts of service, so that's how you're giving love. For some of them, they receive love by quality time and words of affirmation. And so that's what they're over there doing. And the whole time, I have been judging someone with a different love language. Come on, somebody, if that's you. And, and so when we understand these things, it's not just about how things affect us, but we begin to see in a different perspective through a different lens. And so we need to understand love languages. Okay, I'm done preaching to me. My toes are sufficiently stepped on. Let's go to number five, physical touch. Physical touch. So this love language, nothing is more impactful for this person than being close to them, hugging them, Kissing them, holding hands with them. I'm not talking about over-the-top PDA, but I am talking about making sure they feel loved. If, if one of your kids has this love language, just occasionally pulling them to the side and giving them a hug, giving them a pat on the shoulder, letting them know you're there, it means, even though it, that's not the way we receive love, that's not the way you receive love, it doesn't mean a whole lot to you, but it means so much to that other person. I know what you're thinking. How in the world does this apply to the church, right? How in the world does this apply to relationships that aren't romantic in nature? Let me give you an example here at church. So I'm a hugger. I like giving people hugs. And I've noticed that not everybody is on the same level of wanting or receiving a hug as I am so there's a couple different classifications of people. Now, there are some people that the very words, Pastor Andrew, they open their arms. They're like, Pastor Andrew, and they know a hug is coming. For some people, they just accept it, and they're okay with it, and they just kind of, okay, that makes you feel better. Hey, and then there are some people, I hugged them, and they're like, oh, we've got to do this today. (laughs) And they totally do not like it. And I try to be receptive and pick up on the hint. and say, okay, we don't have to keep hugging, man. I don't understand why you don't like it, but okay. But then there's another group. And these people are my favorite. These are the people that I don't have to go get a hug from them. They will literally come find me to get a hug. They search me out. And so they give me a hug and I love it. So that's kind of how it applies to church. I I thought about, I can't ever think about hugging without thinking about Tomas. Let me tell you guys about Tomas. Pastor Doug, you may know Tomas. He was, he's a missionary from El Salvador and uh, he, he knows pastor Jim really well and uh, not a missionary, a pastor. So Tomas's father pastors a large church in El Salvador and Tomas' dad said, hey, Tomas, I want you to go to the States, and I want you to spend about six to eight months there before you get married, before you start having kids, because one day I want this church to be your church, and so I want you to go to America and learn from churches that are growing. So he came over here, and he was on a whirlwind tour. I mean, he spent about two to three weeks at every church and uh, toward the end of his stay here in America, he came to the bridge. And so one afternoon, I'm having a conversation with Tomas, and after he gets done asking his questions and we get done talking, uh, I said, Tomas, you got to tell me, man. I'm just so curious. What is the biggest difference between America and El Salvador? He said, oh, that's easy. That's easy. So in El Salvador, if you and I were to be meeting like this, it would almost be a competition to see who could get who to come over for dinner. Like we would both, we would both be inviting each other over for dinner. We would want to spend time with each other this afternoon. It is a much more communal atmosphere. We don't go home and watch TV and lock our house doors. We are at each other's house. We're hanging out in to the till late at night. And he said, So when I got to America, One of the things that happened is, as I would meet all these people, I kept saying, hey, why don't you come back to my hotel room with me? We can eat dinner and hang out. He said, I had no idea. The pastor at the first church I was at had to come to me and say, Tomas, you got to stop, man. (laughs) Got to stop. I know you mean well. Now, Tomas is a big guy. He's about two inches taller than I am, big burly guy. And so here is this El Salvadorian guy that these people don't really know, and he is inviting you back to come have dinner and hang out in his hotel room. (laughs) Pastor said, you gotta cut that out, man. I know, I know you love people, but he said, man, I feel so lonely here in America because you guys just don't have that communal thing. It's just, or at least I haven't found... I I haven't been here long enough to experience it. Hear me, guys. Here's my point. I know there's some cultural differences in play right there. I know all of that's true. But what was happening for Tomas was he was wanting to give love in a way that many people did not want to receive love. And for so many of us, we are hitting our head against a wall. It's like... This relationship used to be so good. I mean, I used to enjoy spending time with this person, and yet now it's a chore, and I don't know and what changed, and what can I do? It's because we are speaking a love language that that person's not receiving well. So have two takeaways. Here's my hope. My hope is that you walk away from this very simple message today, and I know this message has been very different than normal. My hope is that you learn your love language, that you would leave from this place and that you would say, okay, I have got to figure out. Maybe you have identified yourself. Maybe you're like, oh, pfft, I already know. For those of you that you're not sure, or maybe you're waffling back and forth between a couple, here's what we're going to do. Later on today on the app, on our Bridge Church app, and later on today on Facebook, we are going to put up a link for a completely free, so there's no reason not to do it, it's completely free, um, love language assessment so that you can know your love language. Here's the second thing. I hope you take the time to discern the love languages of the people around you and then become intentional about making deposits in their love tank. And you're going to have to stretch yourself. And it's not going to come easy. And it's going to feel weird at first. And it's going to be hard. And you're going to have to think about it. And you're going to have to plan to do it. And you're going to say, oh, yeah, I hadn't given him a compliment lately. And he likes words of affirmation. Oh, uh. And you' it's going to be a little awkward at first. But I promise you, as you begin to do that, you will be surprised at how the quality and health of the relationships in your life will go up when you become concerned about the love tank of your children and your spouse and your coworkers and your family and your friends. And so let's do it. Let's go after it. 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Do everything in love. When that becomes our guiding light, I'm going to do everything in love. I'm going to stretch myself. I'm going to extend myself. I'm going to do everything in love. Why? Because going back to verse 35 from earlier. Because when I love one another, by this, all men will know that I am a disciple of Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> I know this message was simple today, and yet for some of us, we sit here scratching our heads because it's so simple, and yet how could we have missed it all this time? How could we, even if we knew the love languages, even if we've heard this, just to just to hear it in this context, I mean, I, I came into this week, God, thinking I knew all that there was to know about this, I've heard it preached before. And yet you challenged me on some things in my own family in some ways that I am not intentional about pouring out love in the way that other people receive it. And so God, I pray. I pray for each and every person under the sound of my voice. I pray that this would not be a message that is here today and gone tomorrow. I pray, Father, that you would cause us to think about this and hearken back to this. And when we run across difficult people and and unlovable people and when relationships in our life get hard, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would intervene, that you would give us wisdom, and I pray that we would be intentional about filling the love tank of the other person. Because Jesus, before you left this earth, You said a new command I give you, love one another. And that is not easy. And so God, we pray for your help to be able to do that today. I pray blessings over each and every person in this place. Pray it all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen.